Who told you you were naked? Eve was deceived. Can I believe that I'm fearfully and wonderfully made because someone else has planted a seed of doubt. They've told me that I will never be anything, that I will never amount to anything, that I will never be able to change. So this represents, when we think about today, the deceptive messages we often encounter in society that really makes us doubt who we are, whose we are, our beliefs and our values. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Confidence Restored Podcast presented by CC America, also known as Confidence Centers of America and hosted by Tamaria Jordan. This is a show designed to help you build your confidence, increase your faith and get mentally fit to overcome any trials and tribulations you may encounter. Through personal testimonies of faith, inspiration, and transformation, Tamaria and guests seek to inspire and uplift you. This message is delivered by us, CCing you on lessons learned in hopes of encouraging you regardless of where you are in life. Enjoy the show. So I know the topic, when you think about it, some may immediately think of Genesis 3 and others may be thinking, what are you referring to? This is really a parallel regarding how many of us go through life just going through with the motions, just dealing with whatever comes our way and accepting any and every label that is thrown at us and or attached to us. And so it made me think about the fall of man. It hints the title, Who Told You You Were Naked? So in Genesis 3, it's when the Bible starts talking about how the serpent, aka the devil, Satan, tricked Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. And so when I think about the definition of the word naked, based on the definition by Merriam-Webster, not covered by clothing, um, not provided with shade, lacking embellishment, unarmed, defenseless, lacking confirmation or support, devoid of concealment or disguise. And I started to think about our life and how with the fall, we have been left uncovered. And so it is easy to fall into the trap of the enemy. It is easy to believe what people say about us. It is easy for us to think that we are less than what God says we are. And so it made me think about a quote that I heard, and um, I'm not exactly sure who said it first, but it's the devil knows the truth. He hopes you don't. And when you think about Genesis 3, um, at the very beginning, I think about how we are so easily deceived. And so when you think about the fall specifically, It says in Genesis 3, starting with verse 1, that the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat from the tree that is in the middle of the garden and you must not touch it or you will die. You will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. And so when we think about the deception, the enemy knew the truth 
he told her part of the truth. He said, you will become essentially wise. Your eyes will be opened and you will be like God. And so Eve was deceived because it literally put doubt in her mind, uh, meaning the serpent. The serpent created doubt by making Eve question what God had told her. And when I think about my life and I think about life in general, how often are we deceived by something so simple? Literally, someone can plant a seed of doubt. And now we're wondering, you know what? Can I achieve this? Can I do this thing? Should I believe this? I know that God says I'm fearfully and wonderfully made, but can I believe that I'm fearfully and wonderfully made because someone else has planted a seed of doubt? They've told me that I will never be anything, that I will never amount to anything, that I will never be able to change. And so much like what we see in today's day and age, this is what happened in the garden. The serpent questioned Eve about God's commandment not to eat from the tree of knowledge and wisdom. So this represents, when we think about today, the deceptive messages we often encounter in society that really makes us doubt who we are, whose we are, our beliefs, and our values. And so that leads me to the next uh, point, which is doubt and temptation. So we saw what the enemy did. He was like, let me give you a little bit of the truth, but I'm not going to remind you of the fact that you will die. I'm going to tell you, surely you're not going to die. You can do this. And so when we think about what the enemy's goal was, he wanted to get Eve out of the will of God by promising her something in return. That was partially true, but he promised her that by eating the fruit, it would make her like God, knowing good and evil, but surely it would not kill her. And so many of us make decisions because we think, surely this isn't going to kill me. It might make me feel rejected. It might make me feel down from time to time, but surely it will not kill me. And some of those decisions, whether we die a physical death because of the decisions that we make or a spiritual death, something inside of us dies. We lose a part of ourselves. And so when I think about society today, we are promised power, status, perfection, and we start to doubt who we are because of what we've heard. And so um, skipping to verse six in chapter three, it says, when the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye, pleasing to the eye, and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were open and they realized they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. And Thank you, Holy Spirit. We oftentimes try to make coverings for ourselves when we make mistakes. And God is like, I didn't ask you to cover yourself. You think that you can cover your sin. You think that you can hide what you've done, but I see and I know everything. And there was something that I, um, it was one of the many rhymes that I wrote quite some time ago, but I said something to the effect of like the enemy can't tell God more about me because I'm going to tell God myself because there was a period in my life where I felt shame when I would make mistakes. And much like most people, you feel ashamed, you feel unworthy, you feel like you should be doing better than you are and you keep making the same mistakes. 
And there was a time where I tried to hide those mistakes as though God didn't see it, as though um, somehow me not confessing and or repenting would change the circumstances or the outcome. And I thank God for his grace and his mercy that has kept me thus far. And ironically, I also wrote a book earlier this year called Sins, Salvation is the New Sexy. And it was literally because I learned that the etymology of the word sex, of course, had nothing to do with the act of intercourse initially. It was specifically referring to the um, the state of being a man or a woman. And so then when I looked at the fact that over the years, the connotations had changed, it really took some of that power away where I used to feel a certain type of way about people saying that to me. And so I realized with regard to society's labels, so often we attach ourselves to whatever we hear. Um, and because we know the difference between good and evil, we try to cover ourselves. And like it said, with the word naked, one part of it is not being covered by clothing, but another part of it, another definition is unarmed, defenseless, lacking confirmation or support. And oftentimes we lack the confirmation or support because we made a mistake or we made a decision that separated us from God. And so that's why I purposely titled the book Sins because sin separates. But society is pushing on us this image of the hot girl being sexy, being a certain way. And so many people have brought into this. And my fear is that especially younger people, they will go so far to the left where they feel like they are uncovered and they can't come back. And so when I think about my own journey, I think about my own life, um, I just thank God that he has opened my eyes so that I realize that the only way that I can be saved is through the blood of the lamb and the power of our testimony by sharing, hey, you know what? I've made some mistakes, hence the title, Confidence Restored, Faith, Restoring Confidence in Who God Says We Are. And so when you think about the doubt and the temptation that we face, society, again, makes us feel as though sin is in. Sin is where it's at. And we know that salvation is where true freedom begins. So society promotes sin, but salvation is where true freedom begins. And so for me, that is what I mean by salvation is the new sexy. People oftentimes will talk about sexing in the form of uh, businesses or even water or what have you as a branding mechanism. It's what's alluring, it's what's attractive. But how do we shift the narrative to highlight the fact that being free from sin is just as alluring, is just as exciting, is just as attractive as being deceived by the world's uh, temptations and the things that keep us separated from God? And so in the next verse, in verse eight, it says, then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they hid from the Lord God among the trees in the garden. But the Lord God called to the man, where are you? He answered, I heard you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked. So I hid. And he said, who told you that you were naked? 
Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? The man said, the woman you put here with me, she gave me some fruit of the tree and I ate it. So now we're naked. We've eaten the forbidden fruit. We've gone down the path. We've done what we know we shouldn't have done. We've said what we know we shouldn't have said. We've um, been with who we know we shouldn't have been with. We've talked about who we, like we've been engaging in gossip and all of these things that we know are not beneficial. So now we realize, hey, I'm naked. So after we eat the forbidden fruit, after we sin, much like Adam and Eve, they became aware of their nakedness and then they tried to cover themselves. This, when you think about it, symbolizes the vulnerability that we have and the insecurities that we have when we feel exposed to societal pressures and expectations because we realize now I'm separated from God. Now God sees me. Now I'm naked. And like God said, who told you you were naked? Did you do what I told you not to do? And it's much like a parent-child relationship where it's like, I told you this to help you, not to hinder you. I told you this to save you. And so often, and ironically, earlier today, I shared uh, something that I recorded about a week or so ago, um, almost two weeks now. And it made me think about this in terms of how we try to hide once we realize that we're naked. And so Adam and Eve, much like us, we try to hide when we realize, oh my gosh, I'm no longer covered. And so we hide our true identities because of shame or fear of judgment from other people. And this parallels the same thing in the Bible that we hide behind masks or false personas to conform to societal norms. And that is why for me, finishing the book, Sins, Salvation is the New Sexy was so powerful because it really does take the power away from society's labels. It takes the power away from what society deems as sexy, what society deems as in, hot, alluring, exciting, attractive. And so I wrote a poem and um, what I said in that poem is, don't be led astray when things get crazy, people want to pray. Yet before the storm we stray, thinking God is in the way. The whole time he wants our hearts because he never wanted us to be apart. It's time to trust God with our whole heart. And there was one part I missed, which is it's a good day to start. It's time to trust God with our whole heart because no matter how far you've gone away from God, he can turn it around. Much like many of the people in the Bible who made poor decisions, who went down a path, who may have been in their condition for a long time. For instance, the woman with the issue of blood. And we think we're supposed to get it all right overnight. And that's not how God works. He's like, you are literally hiding in plain sight. I can see you. You think that you're hiding, but you're not. So we we realize we're naked. Now we're hiding in plain sight. And then we start to play the blame game. Who made me do it? And so similar to how we are as, as human beings, when God asked him, Eve, I mean, Adam, if they ate, from the tree, he said, the woman you put here with me, she gave me some fruit from the tree and I ate it. And then the Lord God said to the woman, what is this you have done? The woman said, the serpent deceived me and I ate. So the Lord God said to the serpent, because you have done this, 
Cursed are you above all livestock and all wild animals. You will crawl on your belly and you will eat dust all the days of your life. I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head and you will strike his heel. To the woman, he said, I will make your pains and childbearing very severe. With painful labor, you will give birth to children. Your desire will be for your husband and he will rule over you. To Adam, he said, because you listened to your wife and ate fruit from the tree about which I commanded you, you must not eat from it. Cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil, you will eat food from it all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles for you, and you will eat the plants of the field by the sweat of your brow. You will eat your food until you return to the ground, since from it you were taken. For dust you are, and to dust you will return. Adam named his wife Eve because she would become the mother of all living. So when they were confronted by God, Adam and Eve began to shift blame. Adam blamed Eve, Eve blamed the serpent. And this reflects what happens in day-to-day life. In society now, oftentimes we want to deflect responsibility or uh, we fail to take accountability for our actions or decisions. The thing is, you know, some people will say the devil made me do it. The devil can plant the seed, but we have to carry out the action. And so often we will blame other people for decisions that are ours. We are responsible for how we respond to life. We are responsible for the decisions that we make. We are responsible for our decisions ultimately. And those decisions have consequences, much like what Adam and Eve learned is that there were consequences. And so there was a domino effect. When you think about dominoes, so many people like to focus on the response, but they forget about the catalyst and it's basic physics It's cause and effect. It's based just basic laws of nature. If you cause something, there will be an effect. You don't get to decide what the effect is. You don't get to decide how people will respond. Because when you think about dominoes, if you push that first domino over, the rest of them will fall. And sometimes it may stop midway. It may not go all the way uh, through to the end of the line. But at the end of the day, the other dominoes would still be standing had there not been a catalyst that caused them to fall. And so when we think about society, Satan tricked Eve into thinking that surely she would not die because of her decision, knowing full well that God said what he said. And God spoke directly to her, Adam and Eve, and let them know that they are not to eat from that tree. But they made a decision to do it anyway. And so now the effect is that women will feel pain in childbearing. Men will continue to work hard for anything that they have. But the one thing that I think is beautiful about this whole story is the fact that God can redeem. God can take what is ugly, what is messy, and he can redeem. So in verse 21 of chapter three, it says, the Lord God made garments of skin for Adam and his wife and clothed them. He covered them. And the Lord God said, the man has now become like one of us, knowing good and evil. He must not be allowed to reach out his hand and take also from the tree of life and eat and live forever. So the Lord God banished him from the garden of Eden to work the ground from which he had been taken. 
After he drove the man out, he placed on the east side of the Garden of Eden, Sherubim, and a flaming sword flashing back and forth to guard the way to the tree of life. So even though they made the decision that he that they made, God still covered them. And as you read on in Genesis, you still see how God covered them, even in their poor decisions. And it's much like life now. Despite their disobedience, God provided clothing for them. He protected them um, from eating from the tree of life and he guarded it so that there would, even though their temptation may come, you're not even going to get a chance <laughs> to, to go back to the tree of life at this point because of the mistake that you made. But I'm still going to cover you. I'm still going to feed you. I'm still going to give you children. Um, so this demonstrates the concept of redemption and second chances. And it also emphasizes that we can find forgiveness and renewal even when we make mistakes. And so when we think about our lives, we think about the good, the bad, and the ugly. And sometimes we don't realize we are naked until someone else tells us that we are, until someone plants a seed of doubt. And so when you think about how this often happens, it's because we've talked to the wrong people. We've opened up ourselves to the wrong messages by the things that we look at, by the things that we take in, by the things that we hear. So when we think about the lesson from Genesis 3, it really focuses on what happens and what we see happen daily. One, we have to be mindful that we are not deceived. We have to realize that temptation will come, but we also have a choice. And when we make those choices, quickly recognizing, okay, you know what? I am uncovered, but there is no point in hiding because God sees everything. There's no point in blaming because we made the decision. So every decision has a consequence. Everything that we do, whether we see it here in the natural or we learn later on, but we also have to think about the fact that our decisions have a domino effect on generations to come. However, in spite of the mistakes that we make, God can redeem. Because as long as we believe in our hearts and we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, we will be saved. And it is through faith, aka confidence, that we must believe this to be true um, because we're not saved by work. So no matter what we've done, God can still restore and redeem us, even from our mistakes. And there are so many individuals in the Bible who God redeemed uh, in their times of turmoil, in their times of trial, in their mess, <laughs> there was a message. And those messages are the messages that help carry us through. And I thank God for his son, for dying on Calvary, to save people like you and me, because without that, where would we be? And we know, like it says, that we will return to dust um, because that is where we were taken from. But I do trust and believe in the word that those who do believe and trust God will have eternal life because this life, as you all know, is hard. It is hard when we realize the mistakes that we've made when things are brought to our attention and God is looking at us like, who told you you were naked? Who told you that you did not have a covering anymore? 
I am your covering, but you can't walk away from your covering and expect to be safe. So I hope and pray that this message is, that this message encourages someone today um, and that you realize that even in the midst of your mess, there is a message and that the enemy is going to remind you that you're naked because the enemy wants you to be ashamed. The enemy wants you to feel down. The enemy doesn't want you to believe in the power of redemption. And he wants you to wallow in condemnation because of the convictions that we have. But I thank God for conviction because the Bible says God corrects those whom he loves and he loves each and every one of us. And so the fact that he is willing to correct us and redeem us from our sin if we are willing to repent and truly repent and not just giving God lip service because at the end of the day, he knows everything anyway. And so being true to who we are, being true to whose we are, really cultivating that relationship with God. And that will help us in those times where we feel like, you know what, God, I messed up. And God is like, okay, I see you. You don't have to hide from me. And Sometimes we treat God like we treat people um, or like situations with people. Sometimes we may look at situations we've encountered as children, as people, and we look at God the same way, but God doesn't operate like people. People may keep an account. People may remind you that you're naked, that you're not covered, but God is like, you know what? You are not defenseless because I sent my son to die on Calvary. That is your defense against the enemy. And so I just hope and pray that you will be encouraged and that in the midst of all of the things that happen in this thing called life, that you will keep the faith and that you will keep on keeping on. Until next time, be blessed. Thank you for tuning in to another live taping of the Confidence Restored podcast by CC America. We are grateful that you tune in week after week and join us for testimonies of faith, inspiration, and transformation. Please be sure to rate, comment, and subscribe, and let others know that you are listening to the Confidence Restored podcast. You can also now buy us a coffee to show appreciation at buymeacoffee.com forward slash CC America. Until next time, be blessed.